Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Blake Jenner joins the cast. Jim, son of Saturn, is set to appear. And we discuss how does she do it. This, this is, is Supergirl, Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Giacino. My name is Rebecca Johnson. And in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about the season one episode of the show titled, How Does She Do It? But before we get to our discussion, we have... The News. Melissa Benoist's real-life husband and former Glee co-star Blake Jenner has joined the Supergirl cast. According to TVLine.com, quote, Jenner will portray Adam Foster, a handsome stranger from Cat Grant's past whose arrival in National City tests Kara and Cat's relationship like never before. <laughs> At the same time, Adam and Kara form a very unexpected connection. Uh-oh, are Kat and Kara going to be fighting over some dude? I kind of hope not. I hope it's not like a, a jealous romantic thing. But, yeah. I, but I do like that Kara and Kat will, you know, have more screen time. Any Anytime there is another scene with Kat and Kara, I'm all for it. But totally. I was um, really curious about the fact that his name was Adam. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in the comics, Kat Grant's son is named Adam. Right. So I don't know, is she old enough to have another son? I don't know. But uh, that just stuck out to me that his name was Adam. Yeah, and I'm trying to think if Adam Foster is somebody from DC Comics at all that we should know. So if anybody has any information as to whether or not Adam Foster is somebody we should be keeping an eye on, uh, definitely let us know. Actor Charles Halford will be appearing on Supergirl as Jim, son of Saturn, a DC Comics superhero and Martian Manhunter ally. Jim, Son of Saturn was created by Greg Potter and Gene Colan and first appeared in Jim, Son of Saturn number one from September 1984. <laughs> so I thought this was really funny because lately there's been a lot of speculation that maybe Hank Henshaw is the Martian Manhunter. And so huh. I'm starting to wonder if this is kind of feeding into that theory a little bit. Definitely. Um, I mean, also, I'm trying really hard not to think of Jem as being truly outrageous. But um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I mean, it could be. They, they seem to be going in lots of different directions with these characters. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was something completely off the wall like that. Uh, well, we also want to give our heartfelt congratulations to Laura Benanti, who got married this month uh, on November 15th. Uh, so congratulations, uh, Ms. Benanti, and we wish you all the happiness in the world. Definitely. Well, let's get into our discussion of the season one Supergirl episode called How Does She Do It? Uh, here's the official description from CBS. 
Kara's two identities are stretched thin when Supergirl must protect National City from a series of bombings, and Kara is tasked with babysitting Kat's son, Carter. I don't know what's worse. Uh, Also, James is conflicted when his ex-girlfriend, Lucy Lane, seeks to rekindle their relationship. Um, And as you remember, uh, this episode was flipped from... Uh, its original order. So originally it was supposed to air during the place of Livewire. Um, So Livewire came first and some of the storylines were kind of flip-flopped. But let's get right into it. Uh, What did you think about Kara's interaction with Carter? (laughs) I liked that Kara genuinely wanted to help Kat be, you know, by watching Carter, even though Kat kind of thought that (laughs) she was angling for something. But uh, I... I thought that uh, this is going to sound terrible, but I thought Kara was a terrible babysitter. <laughs> I thought she yeah. she could not pull it off and, and have it all like she wanted to, uh, though I think Kat later on gives her some really good advice about how to have it all. But, totally. uh, but I thought it was interesting to see how Kara was kind of stretched to her limits with this. Um, but I, I liked the, <laughs> the, the fact that Carter was such a Supergirl fan, and he yeah. <laughs> he really he really wanted to meet her, even if it meant going down to the train station, putting his his own life in danger. Uh, so I thought that was was really cute, and I was glad to meet Carter. Yeah, definitely, and I love how Kara really got a kick out of him having a crush on Supergirl. Like she was totally like, "So you have a crush on Supergirl?" <laughs> like totally feeding her own ego, <laughs> and she totally loved it. I also thought it was interesting that she, uh, when Win, you know, steps in at Catco and says, "Oh, I know Supergirl," and she's like, "No, you don't." Like <laughs> she's she's not trying to to make little kids aware of her secret identity no matter how much she might want to impress them yeah and i really loved that scene like you were talking about how she really enjoyed carter's gushing over her i was like that really to me shows how good melissa benoist is as an actress because Mm -hmm. she reacted to everything that he said she didn't just stand there while he was saying his lines she actually took everything in and kind of thought about it and, you know, felt what he was saying. So I, I thought that little moment was a great example of why she, I, in my opinion, is such a good actress. Yeah, no, she, and she, she's great. I love that, um, that Benoist kind of uh, embraces the quirkiness and the adorableness of, uh, of Kara and that she, she lets herself kind of geek out about things, you know? <laughs> um, I, I love that aspect of, of Kara's uh, personality and the fact that she lets herself get all, Squeetastic over a little kid having a crush on her because she's like, oh my god, that's so awesome. Um, I also love Carter himself. Uh, he's a great character, and I was I was really surprised with because normally you have a kid on an episode and it's like you know it's, he's just the cute kid or whatever. But like this this character was written really well, and I loved how through him we get to see what a great mom cat is. Yes, uh, the fact that he. You know, he's shy at first when he meets Kara and he, you know, says to her, I love the line where he says that uh, nerds will win out in the end, that his mom encourages him to be as nerdy as he wants to be and that all she wants is for him to come out of his shell a little bit, but that not to change his nerdiness. I was totally shocked by that, that Kat encouraged him to be a nerd and, and to and to 
pursue whatever he felt like he wanted to pursue. Like, that's how I took it, that, like, oh, you want to play video games? Oh, you want to be a nerd? That's cool because, you yeah. know, that's who you are and that's who you should embrace. And I was, <laughs> I was like, wow, you know, because Kat – seems like the kind of person who wants people to be a certain way all the time. But for her son, she really wanted him to come out of his shell. And I think what was so great for me in this episode between Kara or Supergirl with Carter is that through Supergirl, he comes out of his shell. Mm -hmm. Like he's really shy, especially with Kara when she goes to pick him up from school. And then after the whole train debacle and everything, he is able to make a joke and that surprises Kat because he doesn't normally do that. And so I I really thought that that was fitting that Supergirl of all people would kind of help him do that. And I think it's a combination too. I think it's Supergirl and I also think that uh, Kara, for all that she kept leaving him places, uh, (laughs) and Wynne, they each kind of contributed to to that uh, coming out of his shell because these were people that uh, his mom left him with that validated that his opinions mattered, you know? Like, they tried to, you know, when when he reveals, like, he's kind of shy about revealing his crush on Supergirl, but then Wynn is like, I totally get you. Like, <laughs> like yeah. they're kind of bonding over that. They're, they bond over video games. They bond over junk food. And, like, all of that kind of validated the stuff that's important to him, so it makes it easier for him to come out of his shell. They were also involved in his life and kind of cared for him and I thought that that was also really shocking about Kat as a mother to me too is that she seemed really involved and really loving towards Carter so I I was glad to see that this kid had all these people who really cared about him definitely and uh we know from Livewire that uh he spent Thanksgiving with his dad so we know his dad is in his life and also, I, it kind of doesn't surprise me um, that Kat is this way as a mom because I get the impression that her relationship with her mom is the opposite. Mm-hmm. And it feels like she would want to give her kid something different. Yeah. Like, sh- she's probably like, my mom was really hard on me. I'm not going to be hard on my kid. Like, I'm going to let – I'm going to give my kid the permission that my mom never gave me. And it seems really – Um, Because there's always those two ways you could go. You could either raise your kids exactly the way your parents raised you or you can kind of break the patterns and try something different. And I think she's totally somebody who's trying something different. And also we got to remember, you know, she's a writer. She's a journalist. She's a nerd, you know, like she's she's made her career in the digital landscape. Like you don't do that without being a little bit of a nerd. (laughs) Yeah. And I I agree with you about her mom. Her mom seems to be very disapproving of what she does and not wanting to be a part of it for whatever reason. I don't know, know what her mom is up to, but I, I thought it was especially interesting to me that like, little things like Kat knew about the pickup and drop off zones at the school. Like that's mm-hmm. something I wouldn't have thought that Kat would have been into. Cause I would just yeah. assume that she would have had somebody come and get him and, and take him to school and all that kind of stuff. Like she wouldn't have personally been the one to do that, but she knew, okay, you need to put the placard up, you know, you need to do all of this stuff. This is how mm-hmm. it works. Like, she knows how it works because she's done it. So yeah. I think that that's cool that she's really hands-on with him. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that that did surprise me is how hands-on she is because it's one thing to encourage your kid and it's another thing to actually be there. She she seems like the kind of mom who goes to the plays, who goes to the concerts, <laughs> yeah. who goes to the whatever. Um, and, and she's also really positive when she talks about Carter. It's It's not just – 
you know, for show, I don't think, because mm-hmm. she, when she's talking to Kara about Carter, she says that he's clever and curious, and it just seemed like she admired those things about her son, and I thought that was cool. You know what else I thought was cool? Speaking of, um, you know, her being honest about her feelings about Carter, I also loved the moment where um, at the end where she's talking to Carter about Supergirl and he says that she's pretty and she corrects him or rather says, you know, there's other things other than her being pretty. She's smart. She's brave. She saved you. Yeah. And I think it was really cool that uh, that a cat was expressing this admiration for Supergirl that she must genuinely feel if she's saying it, you know, out in front of everybody, you know, like for all that she criticizes Supergirl, you kind of know in that moment that it all comes from a good place and that she actually does admire Supergirl well, and, and wants to teach her son that. Oh, totally. And I, I think that it's also in part because Supergirl saved her son from dying on that train. Yeah. Uh, but it's also because I think she's known about Supergirl saving other people. So she's aware of what a hero Supergirl is. And I, th- I did think that moment was really cute because Kat was almost interviewing him, like trying to get the goods on what he experienced about Supergirl. So I thought that was funny that they had a moment where they were bonding as mother and son. But mm-hmm. I, th- I think she was also still like trying to get some <laughs> some details of what was happening. So I thought that was cool on, on a journalistic side. It's true. Um, let's talk about the whole, you know, train scenario. Um, just real quick to recap, like there are all these bombings happening in National City and it ends up culminating in this event where Maxwell Lord is debuting this new maglev train that he's got going out. And as it turns out, this bomber has put a bomb both on that train and at the airport. So... Supergirl has to make a choice of, you know, who she's going to save and where she's going to be because she can't be two places at once, which is kind of the major theme running through this episode, Mm -hmm. right? How how do you balance it all? Right. Um, And so she ends up going to the train and having the DEO handle the bomb at the airport. And as we learn at the end of the episode, uh, it turns out that Maxwell Lord has been testing her all this time. Um, He kind of orchestrated the whole thing just to see how Supergirl would respond because he wants to learn more about her. Um, How do you feel about all that, Rebecca? Well, I think it's smart of him. If that's what he wants to know, he he did a good job because that did test her. And Kara slash Supergirl had to make a choice. And she chose to save the train that had Kat's son in it. So I think that's really interesting that he's gone the extra mile to think about what is Supergirl doing when she's not wearing that S? And how can I find out what she's doing? And so <laughs> that is a good test. So I applaud his creativity in that regard. Um, I, I definitely think that she might have given herself away a little bit, um, although he would still have to figure out <laughs> uh, what all those other people on the train were up to. I don't know if he would have known about Carter Grant and the the connection there, even though he knew Carter. Um, so I, I think that it was a good test for his purposes. And I really liked the scene at the end when Supergirl showed up in his office and kind of kind of kind of Peter Pan styles um, with the shadow. <laughs> and and also, I mean, that's a very much a Superman Lex Luthor thing. You see that in the animated stuff. You see that on mm-hmm. Lois and Clark in the comics. Um, so it, it felt very Lex Luthory. Um, but I did think what he 
wanted to accomplish sort of got accomplished. Yeah, no, I, I think it's, you know, I mean, he's clearly a smart guy. It's only a matter of time before he starts putting two and two together. And then what happens when he does discover her identity? Like, what's he going to do with that information? Um, for me, I kind of, I I thought Maxwell Lord was really interesting in this episode because, uh, yes, he's coming after our favorite superheroine, but he also they did a lot to humanize him in this episode too. We get to know about his parents. We get to know about why he kind of mistrusts government, um, what he's trying to do. He genuinely believes that, uh, all of his technology is to help people. And so you kind of get to see the many facets of Maxwell Lord in this episode. And I think that's going to make him really interesting coming up as like, uh, you know, (laughs) that ending scene that you talk about, I love it too. And I thought it was a great moment of like, it's on, you know, like, like, okay, you're watching me. I'm watching you. All right, let's do this. Like, (laughs) They're they're clearly setting up the fact that those two are going to be kind of keeping an eye on each other. And, you know, it's it's cool to see him being set up as actually a worthy opponent for her, you know. And it's not just about Braun and it's not just about her getting to punch a problem in the face. It's about her having to match wits with this really smart person. Um, and, I, and I think she did on, on a certain level. She came in like she had done her homework she knew about where oh, yeah. where the where the child had been treated and who her doctors were so clearly supergirl had figured some things out and put some of the pieces together oh definitely and and i did love that like she you know one of the things that that's it's evolving is that she's learning how to do things other than using her superpowers you know like part of being a hero is applying your brain is, you know, like talking to people. Like she's kind of developing all of these skills that are going to make her an even better hero. I did have one concern about Maxwell Lord. Um, I don't know if anybody else got this sense, but when he and Alex were together, I got the feeling like there was something brewing there. Oh, yeah. Oh, there was totally flirty banter. Okay. That was not, not just, that was not just you. <laughs> okay, because when, when, when things were going on, I was like, oh, don't seduce her to the dark side, Maxwell Lord. <laughs> Whatever you do, do not do that. Um, I got a little concerned for Alex. I'm not going to lie. But I did, yeah. I did like their interactions, like the, the scene where they're kind of walking with the glass separating them. I thought that was really cool and really well blocked and, and shot in terms of where the camera was placed and how they looked and everything. Um, but, yeah, so I, I'm wondering if something will happen between Maxwell and Alex. Yeah, me too. And I kind of like I, I loved the chemistry between them and the 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 way that they're related to each other because the fact that she works for the government and he's very anti government involvement, they both at the foundation are coming from the same place. And I think they they're very similar. Uh, and I think we get to see that in in the scenes between them. And I don't think that, you know, Maxwell Lord is necessarily going to be somebody who's like quote evil you know like I think he's definitely a complicated person and I definitely think he he has his own agenda but I also feel like if he and Alex ended up together somehow or ended up seeing each other or whatever it would just make things that much more complex and interesting and I don't think she would be in danger so much as she might be the force that convinces him to trust more or to think about things in a different way that maybe 
because he's an orphan and he's, you know, <laughs> he says, you know, I'm an orphan. We never take things well. Or <laughs> <laughs> sounds, um, like, sounds like another orphan who dons a, a cape and a cowl <laughs> that I know of. It's true. It's like, come on. Like, you know. Well, um, I, I like thinking about that, uh, what you were talking about, about how Alex having possibly a, a po- more positive impact on Maxwell Lord. I like thinking about that instead of what I was thinking about <laughs> that was that Alex being put in the center of Supergirl and Maxwell could lead to some bad things. Mm, um, it's true. You know, a really, you talk about complicated, that could really mess up the, the sisterly dynamic if that, if he came between them because Supergirl already has clearly, uh, said hey i'm watching it i'm watching you buddy i'm coming after yeah. you if you if you screw up so i think that could really put a wedge between them if that's that's the case but i'll i'll go with your thinking now because it makes me feel better that maybe alex will uh rub off maxwell in a, in a good way well i mean even if if she does like i th- i think you're right and actually i i hadn't thought about that aspect of it that she you know regardless of of what force alex you know, plays in Maxwell's life, the fact that she is seeing him at all, like if she does end up, like if this ends up blossoming into something, Kara is going to have a problem with it regardless because she's <laughs> yeah. already kind of marked him as an enemy. So right. even if 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 Alex is a positive force on him, I feel like Kara's going to be a little bit skeptical. Um, mm-hmm. She's going to probably try to encourage Alex to do otherwise. Um, it, it'll definitely up the stakes, certainly. And I, I kind of am excited for that. I hope I hope we get to watch some of that because, <laughs> you know, up until this point, Alex and Kara's relationship has been like almost too good. Like <laughs> they've had some 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 ups and downs, but really that, you know, that they have each other's back. And I'd be curious to see kind of what it would take for them to, to what have exactly, a challenge. Yeah, to, to have a, a real challenge of their relationship. Yeah. Now, let's talk about, I mean, I don't even want to talk about it because it's annoying. But let's talk about James and Lucy Lane. Because <laughs> I just uh, – and I said this in my um, recap over at the Mary Sue that like this relationship between James and Lucy kind of brings out the worst, most petty qualities in everyone as far as I can see. Like so Lucy comes to National City to uh, – she lies and says it's about a story. But really, of course, it's about – you know, seeing about rekindling things with James. And she then starts, you know, she sees Kara at the cafe and tries to get information out of her. And, you know, Kara is is trying to, like, not be in the friend zone with with uh, with James because she she's talked about his problems a little too much and she lets him confide in her the way that you would with a friend but not necessarily a girlfriend. And so in order to, you know still be seen as a woman in his life uh, that might be dateable, she tries to curb that conversation. So I just kind of, I feel like their relationship in this episode, especially like just kind of brings out the worst in everybody. Well, that's a, that's a good point. Um, especially with James and Lucy. Cause I, I really felt for James when he was talking to Cara, I think. And he was like, you know, I don't, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to that place. Cause you could tell he had been hurt. And mm-hmm. that he had gone through some heartache. And I can understand that, how, you know, after you come out the other end of a relationship like that, you don't you don't want to possibly set yourself up for a, another fall. So I, th- I think that was the first time I had actually really 
felt something for James in terms of his character uh, mm. because I could totally see where he was coming from. But I, what I thought brought out the best of out of anyone in this whole love triangle business was Kara because she talks yes. to James about, well, first of all, she puts her foot down. She's like, you're not talking about this with me because this is not appropriate. <laughs> so yeah. I was really proud that she did that and let her let James know what her feelings were about that because she <laughs> she and Alex had that talk where Alex was like, you've been in the friend zone more than you have the phantom zone. So I think it's something that Carr had been dealing with for a long time where she had been that person. And uh, so this time she finally broke free of that. And I thought that was a big character moment for her. But I also really liked that Carl was supportive of both of them, that she listened to Lucy about her explanation about why she broke up with James. And it actually made a lot of sense to me that Lucy would have such a conflict in regards to, I can't even be mad when James goes off with Superman because they're out there saving people and doing good things. Like, I can't even be mad about that because that will make me a terrible person. So I I felt for Lucy in that regard. And I also uh, liked that Kara, when she was advising James, she was trying to encourage him to kind of fight for his relationship if if that was what he wanted. And clearly he still did have feelings for Lucy, and they have that whole conversation about, you know, whoever, whomever's next. Um, yeah. I, and I think they used whomever correctly when they were talking a little too well. Like, it was like, oh. okay, nobody talks like that, but I appreciate that you used correct English. Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but, but, I, but I thought it was good that Kara wasn't manipulative or catty in this situation, that she was there for both of them. Well, that's uh, like uh, talking about being proud of Kara. Like I was actually prouder of her when she went to James and told him that she had been talking to Lucy and 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 was honest with him about that and was a friend to him. Because the thing is, like, I have a problem with the whole friend zone idea because that kind of in and of itself is very manipulative. It's like you're trying to con somebody into liking you by playing all these mind games and like I'm going to I'm going to do x y and z rather than like my natural impulse to want to help you. I'm going to like turn that off and play this game so that you see me as a woman that you want to date. And it's like, no, you if you want to help your friend, help your friend. He's going to yeah. like you or not like you regardless. And so I think by the end of the episode Kara learns that and she's like, "Look, I'm going to help James, even if it's, you know, like, yes, I like him. Yes, it makes me sad that he might not like me in the same way, but I'm not going to play games with him or keep him from something that he might want just for my own benefit. So, yeah, he her encouraging him to fight for Lucy, I thought was a really huge moment. Yeah, and I have problems with the whole friend zone concept, too, because it's like, it's still not that bad to be a friend to somebody. Like yeah. you're still having a relationship with that person, even if it's not exactly the way you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do, I do have a little bit of an issue with that, but I, I agree. I, I thought Kara um, was a good friend to both of them. And I was glad to see that, um, that it, it will probably, I, I would assume pay off for her in the long run because James and Lucy will pursue this round two in their relationship and maybe it won't work out and maybe the person 
whomever's next is Kara. So, and I think that's really fair to Kara too, because if James and Kara became an item, she wouldn't want to wonder if he still had feelings for Lucy. At least he's going to, you know, pursue it again and see what happens. And if it falls apart, then they can be done. So I, I just thought, I actually, as much as I hate love triangles, I think they've done a fairly good job of making all of these people likable and making you care about each of their relationships. Because even when James was worried about Lucy and he he, he ran towards he and he sped, he was driving his car a little bit too fast. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Probably should have gotten a ticket. But he he ran towards a bomb mm-hmm. for Lucy, who also Lucy was helping a little old lady out of that building to yeah. evacuate. So it's like you can't hate any of these people because deep down they're they're good folks at heart. It's true. No, and I do I do like Lucy Lane. Like like no matter how much I complain about this whole relationship and how they're portraying it or whatever, like you're right. These characters are all solid people and I think it's more interesting that way like it would be one thing if if Lucy was just this horrible person and it was easy to be like oh I hate her he should be with Kara but like the fact that she's somebody that you also like and it's like oh man that's hard for Kara because she's actually really cool and actually Kara at the beginning of the episode says you know hell I want to date her you know like (laughs) she like she's so perfect and pretty and smart and whatever um so yeah I I like how they're how they're creating these characters uh, and making them complex so yeah, overall thoughts. Um, thoughts about the episode, and also, do you think Supergirl can have it all? I like the advice that Cat gives her about how you can't have it all, but you can't have it all at once and not right away. And I thought mm-hmm. that that was really interesting because that made me think about how true that is, that you can eventually get everything you want if you strive for it and you work for it, um, but it's it might be impossible to have it all at the same time um, mm-hmm. because I think Supergirl and Kara <laughs> found that to be the case in the episode. I think that was the kind of the takeaway for her was that she can't be in two places at the same time. She can't have her, you know, um, have everything that she wants all at the same time and at the same place. And so I really liked that aspect of the episode, even though <laughs> she's not the world's best babysitter. And I would be <laughs> worried for anyone to leave their child with her. Um, but, you know, deep down, she was she was trying. She was trying to help Cat out. Um, and I liked the small things with Wynn's character that were in this episode. Like, I loved the fact that Wynn was playing video games as the son of the toy man. Um, he was playing video games with Carter on the big monitors in Cat's office. That yes. I, that I love. And I loved, like, the little, <laughs> of course, I loved the little Lois Lane reference about how she has an annoyingly freckled button nose. And that Cat has been competing with her for this Seagull Award uh, yep. for women in, in media. So, I would love to know the backstory about why she's not a big fan of Lois Lane. Hope we get that sometime. And I also thought that that mention of what Lois looks like might 
limit some of the casting in the future? Will they have to cast a woman that has a freckled button nose? Um, (laughs) (laughs) So those kinds of uh, things I thought were really cute and fun. But the one thing that I I was so kind of upset about with this episode was the bit where Supergirl flies down behind the bush and she pops out as Kara fully clothed in other clothing. And I was like, they did that same stupid thing from Supergirl the movie. Oh, but that's like classic Superman, I'm, though, too. Like he I goes know. into a phone booth and comes out dressed. Oh, like, but I still hate it. I think it's so <laughs> stupid. I it bothered oh it God. bothered me in Supergirl the movie, and it bothered me in this episode. I get it though. Like I understand why it's there. You know, she has to make a quick change, and it's not as easy to show it like as maybe with the Flash, where like you can buy that like as soon as he hears trouble and he's wearing his street clothes he can speed into star labs and speed back out you know you can kind of imagine that he's doing that but when you see her in one place coming out of the other it's just like ah uh, i just yeah I, it's like cuz that would require her to have like clothes everywhere yes. like uh or or otherwise like if she has her supergirl stuff somehow under her clothes which would be impossible cuz that cape is huge but like so she'd have to like even if she had it under her clothes and she, you know, pulls her shirt apart, she still has to leave her clothes somewhere. Like, where is she putting her clothes? When where she- <laughs> did she get that change of clothes? Like, <laughs> but I think if that was the worst part of this episode for me, they did a pretty good job. Because yeah. I, I liked that everyone in this episode had stakes. There was something at stake for everybody. Even when who was like, oh, crap, I let this kid get out of the office and he's gone down to this train and he's going to get himself killed. Like there were stakes for everybody. And I thought that was good. It was you, you, um, at least I was, I was invested in what was going to happen with them. So I'm, I'm looking forward to where, um, this stuff with Maxwell Lord goes because I'm really curious about him because he says something about how you can't control people. And I was like, um, Maxwell Lord, isn't that kind of your thing in the huh. comics? <laughs> so I, I'm really curious about him and I'm hoping he, he won't just be like a Lex Luthor kind of character. I hope he's becomes something else. Um, yeah. in addition to, I mean, I, I like kind of how they've set him up, but I kind of don't want them to just play him as Lex Luthor. I want him to be his kind of his own thing. So, but I, I did like this episode overall, and I thought it was a good look at Cat as a mom and uh, Kara trying to juggle everything. And I, I thought all of that was great. Yeah, no, I, I really loved it too. And uh, it's funny because even though they flipped uh, the order for this episode, I actually liked the stuff that that's revealed in this episode, I like it coming up after Livewire. Like mm. there's something about like see getting the Maxwell Lord backstory in this episode after Livewire, like kind of getting to see Kat and how she interacts with her, her own child after you've already seen her interact with a protege of hers, you know, like kind of getting to see that difference and not seeing the good mom first, like seeing the the boss that's hard on you. And then she's redeemed in this episode with her relationship with her kid. Like I, I kind of thought that the order worked out and it was totally by accident, but I think it works better this <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I liked the quick change, <laughs> even though it's totally like you can't buy it ever. But like it, it to me, I just thought that was like a great shout out. Also a great shout out is the Siegel Award because like shout out to Jerry Siegel, who is the 
co-creator of Superman, for those who don't know, but I'm sure everybody listening to this knows. Um, and uh, I loved all the, the character work. Like you said, everybody had stakes. Everybody had something going on. And I loved that, you know, even with the title, you know, how does she do it? There's kind of a lot of like hit you over the head feminism in the show. But I thought that this episode was the first time that we kind of got to see both Kara and Kat explore feminist themes without it feeling like it was hitting you over the head. Yeah. Like it, cause it, cause it was kind of throughout the episode. So it wasn't just like, you know, I can't do this cause I'm a woman, blah. Like it, <laughs> it was, it was like throughout. So you just kind of got to see them live it. And then, um, you know, to, to try to answer the question, you know, how does a woman balance everything? And is that even a valid question? And, you know, I also agree with you that Kat's advice was was solid. Like, yes, you can have it all, but not all at once and not right away. And I think that for Kara, you know, eventually she might want to be a mom, mm. but she has to learn how to be a superhero first because you're not going to, you know, bring a Kryptonian kid into the world <laughs> until you have your your own life figured out. Yeah. Um, you know, so if if she's going to be a hero or a DEO agent or – you know, whatever else she wants to be, even if she wants to stick to the journalism track and kind of follow in, in Kat's footsteps, she's going to have to figure out what her priorities are and, and focus on them one at a time instead of trying to tackle them all at once, which seems to be Kara's MO. Like she, you know, that's something that's been consistent throughout most of the depictions of Supergirl is that she wants to do everything now. <laughs> she wants to like, like right now, I'm going to save everybody. I want to be this hero. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to do it right now. And Kat is trying to teach her a little bit of patience um, and, and encouraging Supergirl to, to have patience and to, to really work at it and start small and build her way up. Because anybody can have a fluke good day. But yeah. in order to have, like, consistent good days, that's something that you, you train for. You know, it's like training for a marathon. Um, it's like you do a little bit every day until, before you know it, you're amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that uh, wraps up our discussion. Um, there's a Great episode, lots to talk about. Uh, let's hear what some of our listeners had to say about how does she do it. At Reggie Mantle Third, I guess, the timelessness of good old-fashioned hopeful heroics. Uh, and Melissa Benoist embodies Kara and Supergirl. And Dr. Ange70 said it was a slow burn, but it really stuck the landing. At Wahoo FX said, enjoy seeing Kara enjoying flying, but the ground up build for her rivalry with Maxwell Lord is great. At Craig R. MacD said, I liked it. A lot of fun, but my favorite episode is still Livewire. <laughs> At Bree Quinn 23 said, it was so good. I almost liked it better than Livewire. So there's a little difference in, uh, in our listeners. That's an opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, Bree also says, please, 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 they deserve the back nine and a season two with a thumbs up. Uh, yeah, we ho hopefully we'll hear something soon if that is possible. At like a ditzy do, that's a cool username, uh, says, <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about Max Lord being a knockoff Lex Luthor, but otherwise I loved the episode. Smiley face. At US underscore TV underscore addict said, I am so glad that Cat Grant and her son Carter have such a great relationship. We got an email from Cleva or Cliva, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, uh, who writes, quote, 
In the second episode, she and James had a whole conversation about how asking for help was an honor. But in the third episode, Kara refused to call Superman for help. And then she got so angry at James for calling Superman. Why? James saved her life by calling Superman. I don't understand her attitude. Is it an honor to ask for help or are you a solo hero? Make up your mind. Um, it's funny because I, I, I didn't think that was – I mean, yes, it's frustrating to, ha- to watch that happen. But I also think that there are plenty of people who are great at giving advice but they're horrible about taking it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean that's just because that's the culture she was brought up in and she's, she can counsel James to do that all she wants. But I'm sure all of us know people who like – dish it out but they can't take it um and and Kara is is a multifaceted flawed character like she's there's amazing things about her there's things that are not so amazing about her and I think she is feeling a little bit of insecurity about her abilities as a superhero she wants people to take her seriously she's worried that she'll always be in Superman's shadow and so that insecurity kind of you know she took it out on James You know, like she, by the end of the episode, realized that James had her best interest at heart. And, you know, clearly he he did that because, you know, he says it to her. He did it because he was scared. He didn't want to lose her. Um, And it wasn't that he thought she was incompetent or incapable. It was that he just was afraid. And he always calls Superman when he's afraid. So uh, I didn't have a problem with with Kara's attitude because I think it's coming from a place of, of fear, of insecurity, and she wants to to kind of make her own place. Um, and she's kind of blinded by that right now because she's just getting started. She she really wants to to come into her own. And again, we know she's impatient. We know that she she wants to do everything right now and she wants to kind of build that reputation right now. And so whenever there's anything that's like that's against that, uh, she gets concerned. Yeah, I definitely think it was a pride issue with Supergirl. And I think that that is, like you said, it's very much a Supergirl trait for her to act like that. So I, th- I thought it was very character correct. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think it was cool by the end of that third episode, you see that she does accept James's help. Maybe uh, maybe not willingly because James kind of puts himself out there as kind of bait for Reactron. Yes. But she does recognize that, he, you know, I mean, he helps her in that situation, whether she likes it or not. So I, I thought it was an interesting point to bring up because it was something I had not thought about initially um, after that episode aired. But I, I think it's a good question. But I do think it you're right, Teresa. It's just it's character correct for her. Um, we also have an email from Jean who writes, quote, while I have really been enjoying Supergirl and your coverage of it, I have constantly disagreed with you about your characterization of Cat Grant on the show. For the first three episodes, all we saw of her was the stereotypical big business CEO, uncaring, selfish, and completely self-absorbed. If it didn't benefit Catco and therefore her, she didn't want anything to do with it. In Livewire, however, we saw that change. To me, having Kat be this selfish person for three episodes to the point of having someone, <laughs> someone's desk moved because of his hair made this turnaround all the better. If she was shown, as you saw, but I didn't, as someone who really cared deep down would have lessened this change. The fact that it was all because of Supergirl and how she acts is perfect, unquote. And Jean, I really thank you for listening, even if you disagree, because I definitely know how hard that is when you're listening <laughs> to a podcast and you're like, oh, these people don't know what they're talking about, or I don't agree with what they're saying right now. I totally understand how hard that is um, when you're listening to a podcast like that. So I really appreciate you listening, even if you uh, don't agree with what we're talking 
talking about. But I think what's interesting about this topic is that even Kara and Alex disagree about Cat Grant. You know, Kara thinks that Cat is just mean and hard on her, but in that scene where they're talking about the magazine article, Alex kind of says, you know, deep down I think she respects you. So mm-hmm. I I, th- I thought it was interesting that fans are having that conversation just like Kara and Alex were. And I started thinking about, you know, why would Kara continue to work for Cat Grant if she didn't like her or she didn't like working for her? What makes her stick around? Because she could always quit her job. She could always be There's like... plenty of assistant jobs. <laughs> yeah, she could always be like, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, she says in the pilot, like, she started working for CatCo because she thought she'd make a difference. So I kind of liken it to Perry White and Lois Lane a little bit, where Perry can be really hard on Lois. He can be really disciplinarian with her, and she can butt heads with him a lot. But deep down, there's usually in a lot of incarnations, there's a a father-daughter relationship that goes on with their relationship. So I think that that is sort of how I view it a little bit, that Kat is hard on her, but I think deep down genuinely cares for Kara because also, Kat could fire her anytime she wanted to. So I think that there's a reason why both of them want to stick around in this career situation. So I, I think that's really interesting. And I actually agree with Jean as far as um, from the third episode moving forward, uh, we definitely see a different side of Kat. But I don't think that necessarily um, is at odds with the the selfish kind of uh, uncaring and self-absorbed side of Kat. I think she's more than one thing. I think that's what makes her a great character is that she, she, she does have a selfish side. She totally has <laughs> a, even now, even with all the good things we've seen in her, she, she you know, the, the uncaring selfishness hasn't gone away. That's, that's a part of her because she is a businesswoman. She is somebody who's building an empire. And there has to be a certain element of, I have to do what's in the best interest for Catco in everything she does. That's a part of, that's an extension of her. So even with Carter, even with all of these, these good attributes that we see of her, that stuff doesn't go away. And that doesn't make her a bad person. And it doesn't, I think something that we're learning over the course of this show is that the quote selfishness, the big business CEO side of cat isn't incompatible with the, a cat that can care about people. And, you know, like all of us, she has different sides to her depending on who she's talking to, depending on the day. Um, And that's kind of what I want to see more of, especially from female characters, because, you know, guys get to have that all the time. You know, I always bring up Breaking Bad whenever I I talk about complex characters, because like, you know, Walter White. If you've seen the show, he's like this mild-mannered science teacher who ends up becoming this drug kingpin. Um, And it's supposedly for his family. But then at the end, you know, you kind of see that over the course of of the show, he really likes doing it. He likes that rush of adrenaline of being involved in this crime scenario. And he's a jerk most of the time. (laughs) Like he, you know, it's, it's, it's a constant balancing act between the guy who cares about his family and the guy who wants to be the most powerful person in the room. And so for guy characters, like you'll have a whole show built around a person like that. Who's, who's kind of a jerk and it's okay. (laughs) Like the Sopranos, like there's a million shows where like, you know, Mad Men, Don Draper is a jerk most of the time, but people identify with him because he balances those two sides. So that's what I love about Kat. And I'll shut up now. 
No, no, I think those are all good points. And I, I, what I like about the selfish kind of self-absorbed cat is that when you get the layer peeled back and you get to see that she, she does have a heart and she does care about people, that makes it so much more rewarding, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I, I like that kind of stuff. And Gene also says that he is in the camp that thinks Cat doesn't know Kara is Supergirl, which ah, yeah. which I thought was really interesting because uh, I kind of got obsessed with Twitter polls <laughs> this past week because they're so much fun to abuse uh, for humor purposes. And so I did post a, po- a poll on Twitter uh, about whether Cat knows that Kara is Supergirl. And 53% of you said yes, while 47% said no. So a lot of people out there think that maybe Kat knows something. Clearly, she's really smart. I mean, you don't get to to be where she is and be an idiot. Um, But uh, I think they might be going above and beyond to kind of show that, like, she knew all along and that she's just, you know, keeping her cards close to the vest because, you know, she wants to see where this will lead and she wants to kind of stay low key about it because she wants to see how the story will develop. But also, I mean, there've been a couple of times when if she knew it was Kara, she would have said something. <laughs> like, I feel like there, there've been plenty of times where, especially where her son is concerned, you know, if she knew that Kara was Supergirl, would she have left Carter with, with her? You know, like if, if she knew that Kara was Supergirl and would be flying all over the place to rescue people, would she entrust Carter with Kara? Um, yeah, and in this episode, she almost—I I, kind of took it as she almost fired Kara after the whole train incident. Mm. So I don't know if she, if she thought that that was Supergirl, wouldn't she be happier to have Kara around? So yeah, there are some times where it seems like she does know, and sometimes she doesn't. Well, Gregory also chimed in about uh, the question of whether Cat Grant knows Kara is Supergirl, and he writes. I'm definitely on the side of, yes, Kat does know that Kara is Supergirl. To me, she figured it out the moment that she saw Supergirl face-to-face for the first time during the interview. Everything Kat has done after uttering the word you when she saw Supergirl up close has been subterfuge to keep Kara from realizing that she knows. Kat knows that Kara may suspect her of having selfish reasons for wanting to get close to Supergirl for journalistic gains. For that reason alone, Kat is going to pretend not to know. But actually, I think that Kat is sincere for trying to be a mentor for Kara slash Supergirl. Um, and, and that's interesting. I mean, I I think with what we saw with Carter, I feel like that would be the only thing that I I feel like she would put her if she's trying to hide that she knows, she would put that aside because her son is involved. I think this is the only, uh, the only thing that would make me think, hmm, maybe not. But everything else you're saying is very true. She could just be, this could be an elaborate act. But whether or not she'd put her kid in danger to keep that act up, I'm not sure. No, I, I wouldn't. I would hope not. Yeah. Um, we also have an email from a listener named Will who wrote in with his thoughts about Cat Grant. He wrote, quote, Cat Grant is starting to grow on me as the boss you love to be annoyed by. Some of the qualities she displayed in last week's Flipped Order episode have me wondering if she could eventually be brought closer into the Team Supergirl fold. It seems like they could use a good investigative journalist, unquote. Mm. And I think that is an interesting thought, that if Kat knows that Kara is Supergirl, would we ever see her teaming up with the Super Friends, with James and Wynn, and, (laughs) and kind of helping them with 
all of their crime fighting stuff. I actually would be kind of into that. Um, so I, I don't know, but I think that's a cool thought. I wonder how long it's going to take for Kat to realize that that office at the end of the hall is being used. Because um, <laughs> this is her building. Like, she owns CatGo. So, like, are they ever going to want to rent that out? Are they going to knock walls down? Like, <laughs> I'm waiting for her to – for the episode for her to, like – go in there expecting to do some construction and she sees all of Supergirl's stuff flying around. Mm -hmm. Well, we got an email from a listener named Brett who asked, quote, since The Flash has introduced the Earth 2 universe, do you think the show may introduce Power Girl? Which I think is a really interesting question. I would love to see Power Girl and I think it could go either way. Like if Supergirl crosses over with the Flash, I think it's possible um, because they have introduced the Earth too. But I think even if Supergirl continues to be a contained universe, I think it's still possible. I think they could have their own reason for Power Girl to show up. So I'm going to say, yes, I think it's possible either way. And I hope we see her. Definitely. That would be amazing. And uh, I hope we see Bizarro Girl, too. Yes. I mean, we we love us some Supergirl on Supergirl <laughs> action. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there's a million ways that, that either one of those two characters could be introduced. So uh, I'm sure they would have some fun with that in the future. Well, this email is kind of a two-parter and comes from a listener named Brock, who is also the host of the Nerdosophical podcast if i said that correctly uh, he, he he first he first writes quote you made a comment about supergirl wanting to be treated like her cousin personally i don't think she deserves it superman has spent many years earning his stripes to be viewed and treated the way that he is he is at this point much more powerful and capable not only when it comes to his physical abilities but also his ability to make calculated decisions and things of that nature so i think she has to earn that respect and eventually she will get there but i hope they don't make it too easy for her, unquote. And I think those are all good points. I think that at some point, you know, Superman did earn his respect by being the hero that he is, um, as far as we know in the story. But I think e even if Supergirl's a new hero, that doesn't mean she can't be asked better questions in an interview. And I think that was kind of the problem that we had with it, is that Kat was asking her questions that only... Uh, somebody would ask a woman. And I think you can always be better about asking questions. I mean, and, and also, like, I don't think anybody is saying that she she does deserve it. I think Kara thinks she deserves it. Yeah. Um, but I think the show is is very clearly telling her, like, the world of the show is telling her that she doesn't yet. Um, there's so many things in the show that are telling her to wait, that are telling her to learn more grow more. Um, and I think she's going to be doing that over time. Um, but yeah, there is a, there's a big difference between earning your stripes and automatically getting a certain amount of disrespect based on like gendered assumptions. In Livewire, we kind of hear Leslie talking about Supergirl on the radio, talking about who she's sleeping with and talking about the length of her skirt, stuff that you wouldn't apply to Superman. Like, like you talk about how Superman screwed up and like, oh yeah, he, he, you know, caused an oil spill, this, that, and the other thing. But you wouldn't get into certain things like his clothes, like, you know, because that's not something you would ask a dude. So, yeah, no, nobody's saying Supergirl deserves to get full recognition as a hero right away, but she also doesn't deserve gendered double standards. Well, Brock also had a question, and he said, quote, how long do you think this love triangle junk will be a thing? It's already starting <laughs> to wear on me. Um, and I... 
agree that love triangles are not that great, even though this isn't bothering me as much as I thought it would. Um, But I think it's probably going to stick around for a little while because the Lucy Lane thing, I think, is really starting to be interesting to me now because when Alex and Supergirl are talking about Lucy in the DEO, she, um, you know, Alex is like, well, can she do this? You know, trying to, like, make her sister feel better. And she's like, but can she fly, you know, thinking that would be a positive in, in Kara's corner? And and Kara says, well, it wouldn't be s- surprising to me if she did. And I was like, ooh, is that like a Superwoman reference? <laughs> um, that maybe they're throwing that in there, that maybe at some point Lucy Lane will fly. So I think that if we ever do get to see Superwoman, I think this could be a, a love triangle that kind of extends to that part of the story. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know how long it will last but I, I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm there with you, Brock. I'm kind of annoyed by the whole thing. But uh, I don't want Lucy to go away. Uh, I think that she and James should be together and Kara should get over it and date Brainiac. Five. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, but in the meantime, I think that, that Lucy, you know, should stick around and definitely I would love to see a better friendship between her and Kara. And yeah, it could totally lead to the Superwoman place. Who knows? Moving on to uh, other emails from our listeners, um, Stefan sent us an email saying that this week's episode was, quote, just a mirror for the pilot of Lois and Clark. I wouldn't be surprised if later on we see an episode where more new Kryptonians make their debut appearance. I, d- I do see what you're saying about the the pilot of Lois and Clark there, Stefan, um, especially like we had talked about the the ending scene with Supergirl and Maxwell Lord. That is very much a, a Superman Lex Luthor thing. Um, but I thought what was really interesting about your, your email was the idea that there would be more Kryptonians that show up. And I kind of wonder about were they in Fort Roz? Because we know that's where Astra came from and some of her little Kryptonian buddies. So there could be more Kryptonians that pop out of Fort Roz, um, especially we, we know that Nan is supposed to show up at some point. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So I would like to see what happens if he does. That's actually something that I, I'm, like, waiting for. Like, we haven't seen Astra in a while, <laughs> and uh, I'm wondering when they're going to get back to that storyline and what's she up to and sneaking around the planet causing havoc. So uh, I hope we do get to that soon. Yeah, I've been really missing Astra, so I hope she shows up soon. <laughs> well, she she was getting married. Uh, Laura, Laura Benanti was getting married. True, so, like, true. Films way before, but and in terms of know. the story on TV, she's probably maybe she's still recovering from the the kryptonite dagger. Maybe she's just kind of taking it easy, healing up, and um, getting back to her evil ways. Um, And Troy wrote us an email saying, quote, I'm 38 years old and my wife and I have four beautiful daughters, ages 15, 14, 10 and 7. I'm having the hardest time getting them to sit down with me and watch Supergirl every week. My 14 year old said something that stuck out to me when we sat down to watch Livewire together. She said, and I'm not kidding, quote, if this episode has any feminist issues in it, I'm leaving, unquote. And I was reminded that Teresa had said something similar as a critique of the show in that she wished that they would take the opportunity to show rather than tell. And his question is, do you think the show has been too preachy with its message of female empowerment? And that's what has made my otherwise geeked out family disinterested in Supergirl, unquote. Um, I personally don't really have that much of an issue with it. Yes, sometimes it has been a little heavy handed. But for me, it hasn't been something that's like turned me away from the show. 
Um, and I think that's just a matter of personal taste. I think your 14 year old, maybe she's not into that. Um, but I, I think it just boils down to, is that a make or break thing for you? Um, and, and for me, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not going to break it for me. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting because, uh, the age range is, is interesting because, uh, Troy mentions that it's his 14-year-old that's saying this. And I think that the the preachiness is for the 10-year-old and the 7-year-old. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the 14 and the 15-year-old, I feel like they, just because they're teenagers, uh, will have more of a problem with the preachy message because, of course, they're too cool for that, you know? <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, they're 14 rebellious. and 15. They, they, got, you know, they, they don't got time for that. Um, but I, 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 I do feel that way, that I, I wish they would show rather than tell um, – I, I feel like sometimes the dialogue has been a bit too on the nose, but I hope that maybe Troy and uh, and his wife might talk to their daughters about, you know, why does a feminist message feel preachy to them? Uh, what is it about it that's a turnoff for her? Um, is it just the fact that it sounds preachy or, you know, is there other stuff? Like, does she, you know, understand what the show is trying to do? I think maybe... Um, you know, even if they're not sitting down to watch Supergirl with you, it might be worthwhile just to to kind of poke around in their heads a little bit and find out why it bothers them because it might lead to a great conversation anyway. Because um, I think that, you know, it's there's a lot of especially younger women right now that are like, you know, oh, I don't want to call myself a feminist. And it's like I don't think they really understand what feminism is actually about or trying to do. They just see it as like, oh, that means you – you know, want women to be better than men or that you hate boys or whatever. And, and that's not what it means. So I think that it might be worthwhile to to use the the fact that your daughter's not really into it to kind of have that conversation. And at least, you know, Supergirl will be beneficial in that way. But I, I do agree. I mean, I, I think it, dialogue could always be improved and uh, the messages can come across. And I think this episode that we just talked about, did a good job of it in that it wasn't preachy and that it, it showed rather than told a feminist message. Dang, Teresa, you just need to drop your mic right now. That was, <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I, I think that's great advice to use it as a way to open a conversation with them and talk about that. Uh, yeah. I, think, I think that's a good point. Well, um, thank you everybody for all your feedback. We had lots of it this week. Um, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio like all of these great listeners did, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we're also available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you've got some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And big thanks to KDud15. And I love this this name, by the way, the sassiest pineapple <laughs> um, <laughs> for leaving us reviews on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening and for reviewing. Uh, and we hope to uh, hear from you again soon. And we are part of the DC TV Podcast Circle, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even DC Movies, we've got a podcast for that. Subscribe to our <laughs> DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter and like DC TV Podcast on Facebook. And as for me, you can find me every day over at The Mary Sue. That's TheMarySue.com, uh, where I do Supergirl recaps on Tuesdays um, and... Uh, a video series called The House of L, which comes out on Thursdays. Um, I'm not sure about this week because Thursday is Thanksgiving, but uh, 
you know, we might make it happen anyway. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Um, you can also find me on social media at Teresa Giacino on Twitter and Instagram. I'm on Facebook and you can find all of my whereabouts at my website, TeresaGiacino.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at DerbyKid and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. And uh, for this episode, I just want to uh, mention something that I'm really passionate about right now. Uh, my friend Nathan Ashley, is uh, he's a big Star Wars fan, uh, but he's also suffering from ALS. And he is unable to go to the theater and see The Force Awakens, which is coming out in a few weeks. And normally he and his wife would just wait for a Blu-ray, um, but she doesn't know if he's going to make it to when a Blu-ray would eventually come out. So they are trying to get the attention of Disney and J.J. Abrams to see if they will allow Nathan a chance to see the movie from home. So if you would like to help them out, uh, I'll just point you to their Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash walking by faith for Nathan Ashley. And that's N-A-T-H-A-N-A-S-H-L-E-Y. Um, I just, uh, I'm trying to get the word out about this, uh, because I think it's a, a worthy thing to do because I know like when I was going through, uh, my breast cancer situation, you know, my favorite stories and characters helped me get through it. So I totally relate to, to Nathan wanting to see this and being a, a thing that he wants, uh, to do. So if you have some time and you want to help them out, uh, check out their Facebook group. It's, it's always possible and uh you know they will make allowances to do stuff like that for people so but definitely amplifying the sound and and getting it to their attention is key so definitely check out the facebook page um because it could do some good yeah and i know it's not super girl related but it's kind of one of those things where like we're all fans of something you know us doing this podcast we're fans of supergirl um but we're all fans of something and i think we all can relate to nathan's situation so uh really appreciate it if people check it out totally we're all about helping all the nerds uh (laughs) enjoy what they love um now if you'd like to stick around for a quick spoiler section about next week's episode of supergirl we'll be doing that after our theme music but until next time i'm still rebecca johnson and i'm still Teresa Giacino. and remember that if you face your fears and come out of your shell the nerds can win in the end combat device. It's not responding to my command. It's gone rogue. This is your fault. You are sad, pathetic. Don't talk to me like that. New Supergirl, next Monday, or stream it live or on demand. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Red Faced. The official description for Red Faced says, quote, 
personal and professional stress gets the better of Kara when she goes too far during a training exercise against Red Tornado, a military cyborg commissioned by Lucy Lane's father, General Sam Lane, unquote. Um, so, ah. Teresa, what in this episode description excites you the most? Um, well, I love that we're going to be uh, getting into other aspects of the government, uh, specifically Sam Lane, um, and the fact that Red Tornado is a military cyborg um, commissioned by him. I think it'll be interesting to to see her train with, with Red Tornado, and also that um, where is this going to lead as far as uh, the government versus somebody like Maxwell Lord? Um, I feel like there there might be some interplay there as Kara gets more and more involved with the government side of things, does that mean that Maxwell Lord is going to come after her even harder? Mm. Yeah, because he definitely worked with things like bombs and uh, technology that could be used by the government, I would assume, and especially the military. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about getting to see G- General Sam Lane and and seeing his, his interaction with Lucy. You know, what is their relationship like? And I'm very excited about Red Tornado. I'm, <laughs> I'm curious to see what his relationship is going to be like with Supergirl, because I know in the promo she was kind of beaten up on him a little, a little bit. So I have a feeling that things will not go well with Red Tornado at first, but I'm hoping at some point, you know, they'll, they'll become allies. Well, thanks for listening. And we will be back with another episode of discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.